Hi, this is Michael Lowe, and you're listening to May I Ask You a Question? My next guest is a repeat, Ben Keller, who is my coworker, husband, and father of four, and also pastor at Refuge Church in Linwood, Washington. He also started Saybrook Ministries, which we didn't talk about this time around, but Saybrook's website is saybrookministries.org. In the first part of our conversation, we talk about COVID-19, its impact on Ben, and other thoughts he's had on the pandemic. Thanks for listening. Ben Keller, thanks for uh, round two here on May I Ask You a Question. I am pleased to be here for round dose, Michael. It has been, uh, what, we met, we, we, our first conversation was on February 29th, I think, Leap Day. Wow. And um, that was before the world ended. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, primarily with uh, COVID 19 impacting everything and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, among other big national events. Let's start with COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, how has it been for you? You're, you're obviously my coworker. You're right. also, you know, father of four yep. and uh, pastor at Refuge. Right. Um, how has, from all those lenses or maybe some others that I haven't thought of, um, how has, how's COVID been for you? Well, the, uh, so personally, it's been, uh, thankfully, no one in my immediate family has gotten the disease, which is great. That's great. Um, and no one in our church until just a few days ago was no. diagnosed uh, with it. So we've been thankful for that as our extended church family. We haven't had anybody that's actually had it yet. No. So we do have one uh, older gentleman who we are you know, praying for um, because he already has, he comes into it with respiratory issues. Okay. Um, He's older. Yeah. You said? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so work-wise, as you well know, but obviously the listeners wouldn't, uh, you know, there's virtually everybody in the country had, somebody's either experiencing truncated hours or layoffs or pay cuts. some pay cuts or mix thereof. And so um, I've been in that mix with everybody else and, and um, you know, hoping to get back to full-time and um, so work has been, uh, what would you want to say? Good, but a struggle. Um, yeah. and then, and with your, which you're intimately familiar with, you're right. and then, uh, church wise, actually, we've been very blessed to, uh, we have a, uh, one of our, the other large church in our area, uh, Alderwood has been very kind to our church, gifting us equipment to, uh, really boost l- true live stream capability. So actually, oh. this coming Sunday will be the first true live stream where the folks who have to be at home that are members of our church uh, will be experiencing exactly the same thing um, and at a higher level of quality. And that's in large part thanks to Alderwood Community Church. Yeah. And because uh, you guys were you guys were pre-recording mm-hmm. and then. Um, premiering yeah on uh youtube or whatever correct channels. which is a which is a great stopgap feature right and i think a lot of churches were doing that for a while just yes <laughs> what else do you do you're not you're not not allowed to meet yeah uh, well I mean, well that, and that's a little controversial in some, some next of the woods too but it, right uh we we started meeting again live on june 28th and uh i forget exactly what the limit is but i think it was 
I don't remember if it was a percentage or a number, but somewhere between 50 and 70 in our room is the cap. I don't remember which. Because uh, you guys are meeting indoors? <clears throat> Correct. Because uh, the church that I attend, we've been meeting outside. And so I think yeah. we can have a larger capacity that right. way. Right, and that's a but lot But still RSVP required and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, so we have the, and we've had the spacing, uh, you know, we took out every other row and um, seating-wise and just all the protocols you go through, kind of um, steering people on certain paths and all that stuff. Um, one-way lanes. Yep, one-way lanes and masks unless, you know, you're singing in front of the congregation or preaching. So that's been uh, an interesting journey. I look, I've had... I've probably been more busy with the church while we couldn't meet uh, because of some of the production stuff I had to do. It was just a new learning curve, different <clears throat> rhythms, right. and just like we haven't, right. we haven't done this before. Yeah, but we got to stretch new muscles too uh, with the, uh, some of our music production and stuff like that. Um, financially, the church has, we've had much to be thankful for this year where we're, uh, we haven't really gone down in giving and we've had some fundraisers that have helped boost stuff so there's much to be thankful for there the alderwood stuff has allowed us to pay forward to our ethiopian church plant that meets on sunday nights at our church okay. and they're observing the same protocols so we're able to give them rent free through at least the end of the year and then they in turn have been supporting pastors back in ethiopia because wow, they're hard hit and so it's uh, been a great kind of pay it forward thing yeah yeah um personally it's been uh a challenge navigating you know family events and stuff like that and my son's about to get married and they've had to reduce mm -hmm. their yeah they've had to reduce their uh wedding plans and wedding size like half that, a dozen times and that's like i mean you, you see it uh, i mean i've seen it at arm's length or social media length mm -hmm. uh, several times where you just people are deciding okay do we postpone the wedding do we uh, whether, whether it's a wedding or whether it's other types of events i mean even you know on the more uh, somber side funerals like, right do we want to uh, wait until we can all gather to you right. know remember this person's life but because I, mean, I just uh, was talking to a guy the other day he went to a funeral um i think it was the first person that actually died from covid in washington state mm. was one of his clients mm. um and he was going to the funeral, and uh, but it's it's been you know four, three, four months, something like that since right. her since she died, and he's cremated all that stuff. But um, yeah, so sorry with Spencer's wedding, yeah, you guys have had to make some tough choices of either timing or invitee list, right? And now it's just um, basically one step above eloping in other words you have the wedding you have bridesmaids groomsmen you have just parents. More than, a few more than one witness right yeah that's it's pretty pretty small but it is going to happen and so we're grateful about that um uh and um again everybody relatively in my sphere has been uh, healthy so that's that's been much to be thankful for for um my brother who's in prison they've had their own set of struggles because as everything's locked down it isn't um i know you might find this hard to believe <laughs> the department of corrections as a government entity is not always run like a well-oiled machine 
I mean, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and that is what it is. But obviously, you know, we can't visit, but we email a lot and stuff. But So he has regular access to emails? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he doesn't own a computer, though. Is, is it no. kind of like the old I, I don't know exactly how it works there. I assume it's workstations or something. Or like internet, prison internet cafes. Right, <laughs> Remember right. when those were a thing? Right. Before we just went to cafes with our own computers. Yeah. Why do they call them cat? Was it just like they had Ethernet cables sitting around or Wi-Fi or what? Uh, I, I No, I think internet cafes, at least... Uh, uh, I, I remember them most prominently when I, was, when I lived in Europe for a year. They would just be these rooms with computers that have internet access. It was okay. before we had uh, smartphones and before we all had laptops and before Wi-Fi was everywhere. Yeah. And so it was just like, hey, I got to stop at the internet cafe, check my email, or you go to the library and do the same thing. Like I remember being at the at the school library and there would just be lines of people because desktops were more the norm then. Yeah. Yeah. The big old desktops. Yeah. Early the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the good old days. Um so uh with covid though, uh, <laughs> back on track. Um what uh you 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 read a lot in mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. Um, what have your kind of bigger picture perspective thoughts on COVID? Uh, whether they're primarily or exclusively theological, or just comparative in terms of history. Um, um, what do you, what do you what do you yeah What do you notice about it? What do you observe? Well, being a theologian, I, I can uh, come up with. Uh, deep uh, Latin phrases like "God is in charge." It's <laughs> not English, Latin at all. I English was a Germanic language. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Um, so it is true uh, that God is in charge. In fact, I was reading. Um, uh, I actually I did something I recommend everybody does, and that is either read or listen to or listen and read through all of Revelation in one sitting. First of all, you have a promise at the beginning of the book that the reading of it is to be blessed. It will be blessed, which is unique in in Bible books. There's actually an explicit promise. And second of all, um, it gives you a whole big sweep. But when I was going through it... How, I, how long would that take? About an hour and a half. It's not long. Because it's 22 chapters? Mm-hmm. It's okay. not that long. Um, and... I mean, then there's audio Bibles for just about every version now. So, right. um, for those who aren't as prone to read, yeah. But there was a verse in there. I'll see if I can. Like me. <laughs> no, don't. Uh, Unfortunately, Ben, I've I've long taken my literacy for granted. I've I, I do like audiobooks, and I've been listening to the audio Bible on my yeah just on my commutes or like when I I'll use it to listen and then follow along. If I'm at home, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, audio audiobooks and audio bibles are. are good. I, I I use them a lot, um, but in Revelation sixteen nine, this stood out to me. It says they cursed the name of God. Interesting there too. All these little things you can miss in scripture. Not that they cursed God, they cursed the name of God. And sometimes we we see that all through scripture where we, uh, it's worth some study. Like why does it say the name of God? It's mm-hmm. so important. But anyway, they cursed the name of God who had control over all these plagues. They did not repent of their sins and turn to God and give him glory. So that was Revelation 16. Um, 
So we know that God's in charge. When it comes to COVID-19, we know obviously that, that plagues, uh, pestilence comes and goes in the history of the world, in the history of the church. We had a Spanish flu to compare it to back in, at the tail end of World War I. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been, actually there's been a helpful author, a African-American Presbyterian named Francis Grimke, G-R-I-M-K-E, who I've been reading some of him this summer because um, his writings uh, cover the two big issues of the last six months, which are race relations and plague. Uh, So you see... Uh, he's of what period time period is he current so no francis grimke lived through the spanish flu um and so he's writing he died um he might have died around 1930 as so probably born in 1860-ish i'm guessing so somebody's probably gonna please wikipedia it and yeah I'll, i'll be wrong but well, that assumes that we have listeners, so don't yeah. worry. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry. So that's one listener. Um, um, so he, he's been interesting to read. Actually, he's I've got I'm preaching on Acts 17 coming up, and uh, he I quote him a couple times in there. So we know God's in charge. We know there's precedence. We know that sometimes um, uh, it's a discernible judgment, like. We, it seems to us on the human side that we can draw a line of causality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, other times it's more... Like when we've clearly sinned. Right. It's, other times it's more mysterious um, and falls more into the rain falls on the just and unjust alike. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's currently kind of how I'm processing it. It, it doesn't... It's not as... It's not like, you know, the... The Black Death of the Middle Ages, where you know a third or half of people are wiped out. Right. But it's also not the common flu. Um, it's uh, a serious and substantial uh, sickness that, unfortunately, is also because of partisan divide, social media. There's almost nothing that is said about it. That is even not, that is not perspectively charged correct yeah so um so grimke what did he say about the spanish flu uh he had it, he wrote a book about living through it as a pastor it, it was just like a, a kind of a, a published journal yeah he was in i believe he had a church in washington dc um he had um and was a peer of other people like uh, W.B. Du Bois, and, or Du Bois is how you say it, I think, who was one of the founders of the NAACP. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I haven't read it all. I've just read excerpts of some of the things that he's said. But he's very helpful because he's kind of a unique, when you think, who's a voice that is, so from my perspective, he's, he's reformed, he's African-American, He's lived through a plague. That's kind of a short list, and he's a pastor. Right. That's not a huge long list. Right. That's. And uh, was he? Uh, 
Was he uh, like alarmed by the Spanish flu? Was he frustrated? No, by I it? think. Was well, he, I, when like, I uh, like one of the things. No, uh, I think he was. Um, he always had a. He was one of these guys who. Um, if you would present him, I think, with a serious issue or serious societal concern, he would helpfully, and I I think biblically, try to pivot fairly quickly to, okay, what does this mean with regard to you and your soul? Hmm. So, uh, meaning... Um, like eternal implications. Yeah, in other words, um, the what is your destiny as a Christian, plague or no plague? And if you're so from that side, helping um, to prevent despair. Um, so we would, in our common parlance or our modern parlance now, we'd probably say he was just very gospel focused because mm-hmm. he would pivot it quickly back to <laughs> modern parlance because we use parlance so much in the modern day. Right. <laughs> um, That's a little ironic, yeah. So yeah, so he he would he would view events like this uh, in such a way that um, almost to ask the question of God, um, without any other more obvious explanation, God is also asking you for his for your attention, right, on him. Yeah. So, and causing you to ask uh, to acknowledge, I'm on a trajectory. Is right. that a trajectory that I want to be on? Yeah, you can, you can, if, if because <clears throat> you can have the conversation at a purely physical or materialistic level and be like, well, what's the likelihood that this is going to kill my physical body and I'm going to end up in the dirt? Um, and, but, you know, that's not very uh, heartwarming or encouraging for Christians. It's, um, you're either Christ is going to come back or you're all going to die. Mm-hmm. As soon as you come out of the mother's womb, that hourglass is turned over and the sand is going. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, even before. Even before. Yeah. But <laughs> so, um, that's a different discussion. And you mentioned the historical perspective, which reminded me of a couple things. Um, so, we're, when it comes to funerals and stuff like that, um, so first I would say, and we can maybe revisit it later, that I think the thing that if there's continued unrest and stuff in our country, probably what will foment it the worst is uh, either the intended or unintended disparity of the application of restrictions. So for instance, if there was a, so for instance, John Lewis, the great civil rights pioneer, congressman just had a funeral. Mm -hmm. Um, And from my cursory understanding, the um, the funeral restrictions that were on everybody else in this area were completely disregarded because of the august nature of this civil rights. So, you know, no one's wearing masks. Everybody's, you know, 500 hmm. dignitaries in the church. So on the one hand, you're like, well, this is good. We're honoring John Lewis. On the other hand, you're like, well, there's all these other common people who are like, so, but I, so my dad isn't important. Yeah. We can only have five people at our funeral. Right, right, right. But we can... So if you have... It's like a celebrity exception. Yeah. So if you have uh, those kind of issues, I think that those tend to be what makes it worse. But back to the historical thing. Um, uh, 
So on the, like on the funeral issue, we're all experiencing now kind of what uh, a former pastor, when I was an assistant pastor, assistant to the pastor, um, he was from the Northeast, and if they had like a, a relative or something um, pass away, it was very common to have to wait a few months for the funeral because the ground was too frozen. Oh, yeah. And so... Um, uh, but now, um, so it makes you feel more acutely some of those inconveniences that other people have always had. Sure. Um, and now, now you're experiencing. The other historical example would be, <clears throat> now here's one where I'd be more tempted to draw a line of causality. There's, um, uh, I've probably told you the story, but um, others may not know it. There's a... Yeah, the, yeah, the, the one listener. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, listener, this is going to be radical for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's usually just at me. the uh, uh, the the fate of faithful Christians ebbed and flowed during the second half of the 17th century in England. So, the middle of the 1600s saw um, for a short time there was the English Republic under Cromwell and. There was jockeying back and forth as far as the throne being friendly to Catholicism or Protestantism. Mm -hmm. right. Okay, um, and then in the 1660s, as things were getting worse for Protestants, especially those who would not um, uh, uh, kowtow to the Catholicism light of the Church of England. Um, Eventually, it ramped up and ramped up and ramped up until they had this, what was called the Act of Uniformity. And that was when, uh, upon the passage of this act, uh, about 2,000 gospel ministers were ejected from their pulpits, were not allowed to preach. That was passed up with um, legislation uh, like the Five Mile Act, which was not only can you not preach, but if you get within five miles of your old church, in fact, if we see you within five miles mm -hmm. of your church, within that circle, um, you'll be imprisoned or, and or exorbitantly fined. Um, so... This is in England? This is in England. Sorry, this, is, this came to mind. Uh, wouldn't they have measured it in kilometers? Not at that point. We had, they hadn't gotten metric yet. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. no. Um, it was actually called the Five Mile Act. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. We didn't just inter reinterpret it. No. Okay. <laughs> but I did. I'll trust you on that. But historians will will uh, I think they will look remeasure it. They'll 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 at least look at the United States as with kind of a wink in their eye, like, man, these guys held held out forever. Ever <laughs> the whole world was metric. And <laughs> these guys held out forever. Um, so at the same time that this is happening, now these are what I would view by any measure as unjust laws. Okay. Like you take 2,000 faithful gospel ministers, mm -hmm. boot them out. That has a, a dramatic spiritual effect in England, right? Mm -hmm. So then you go to, uh, uh, I think it was a year later, I'm gonna get the dates slightly wrong. Um, a year or two later, Samuel Pepys, who was one of the secretaries in the Admiralty, he was a big shot in the British government. I don't even know that he was a Christian per se, but 
he has his diary provides a lot of history from that era and lo and behold there's this it starts in like december then every night they're seeing this comet in the sky and people are kind of freaking out because historically comets are associated with bad tidings hmm. <clears throat> for however we drew that conclusion i don't know but but they took it as this is not a this is a bad omen yeah because it was in the sky that everybody could see it two three so and he's me- mentioning like yeah the king's like going out on the roof and they see it every night and there's like all this about it talk and hubbub right within just a few months um uh i mean it's just right there this the the great plague of london begins where um at its peak, up to like 10,000 people a week hmm. were dying. Wow. Then, literally, you're only not... The, the plague has just began to wane. And uh, then the old city of London, which is the, the oldest part of London in larger London. It's actually called the City of London. Still, still there. It has... If you look up City of London, it's the small super old part of London in the bigger part of London. Mm-hmm. So, like an old town. Right. And then, uh, literally from the frying pan into the fire, we go from plague to the great fire of London in 1666, 1667, which decimates like 80% of old London. Sheesh. And, I mean, everything is just St. Paul's is like almost destroyed. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's big. So, um, I mentioned I mentioned that illustration once when, in one of my messages that you know we want to be careful about drawing those causal connections. Yeah, but right on the heels, but also conscious. But uh, right on the heels of the government and the king saying, "You may not preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. You may not even go near your churches." Um, these things happen in rapid succession. And what's interesting though to me, and one of the reasons why some of the Puritans are my heroes, is the Puritans were the ones who during the plague, most of the Church of England guys hit the bricks and went out to the country. The Puritans said, okay, uh, I now have to disobey what the king has said to tend to the people and help shepherd them into the next world because they're all dying hmm. and many of them came back to minister during the plague hmm. so um, thinking about those causes um, or the the uh, the, uh, the relationship that we may or may not draw uh, in some ways it seems prudent to take some time before those relationships are uh, drawn at least in ink is that is that fair to say I mean, because you could you could kind of hypothesize and maybe suggest, right. oh, you know, I wonder if if there's something that we should observe or notice. Uh, right. But the the lens of history would just be a little bit more clear. Yeah, I mean, certainly the only, I guess, the best word I would use is dispositive, absolutely verifiable uh, causality links are those that are expressed by God Himself. Right. So right. when God says this happened for this reason, right? Okay, that's a done deal. Right. Other than that, um, there's always going to be a little bit of mystery, but God g- does give us brains to 
um, at the very least, even if, even if in the mind of God, things are not connected as they, I'm sure they are not, in the way that they're connected in our minds, um, it certainly affords, as the Revelation would say that we just read, this is an opportunity to repent. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said the same when he was, the disciples were like, hey, why'd that tower fall? Right. He was like, don't worry about it. Your job is to repent. Right. Yeah. It, and, and yes, the, the, it's, it, in some ways, um, it's, it's kind of like the way that uh, brands use social media or other outlets of like, hey, just remember, remember we're still relevant, we still exist, those mm-hmm. sorts of things. And, um, and God does that through large events that are unexplained and scary, um, mm-hmm. you know. Whatever yeah. else. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think C.S. Lewis... And also, I guess not always scary, but awe-inspiring. Yeah, I mean, I think the C.S. Lewis's thesis in his Problem of Pain book is largely correct, which is God can use pain as a megaphone to um, tell the world, I'm here, you have to reckon with me, and you have to be in right relationship with me. Yeah. So... Um, the passage in Revelation, why does it say the name of God? That's a great question. That's an opportunity for further study. I don't I don't know the answer okay. offhand. Because so, um, you, you touched on it, but then I was like, oh, let's see what he's found. Well, I, it's one of these things, as you read through Scripture, you find things that are underemphasized in the sense that um, uh, we, we usually, uh, like if, if we saw whatever, pagan culture doing something that's completely offensive to God, we would often express it as, that's an offense against God. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, we usually don't say what is often the scriptural framework, which is, that's an offense against God's name. Or there are just aspects that we perhaps understudy and underappreciate in scripture because the name of God is literally and figuratively very important. Ironically, the tetragrammaton, if I'm pronouncing it right, so Yah- what we call Yahweh, mm-hmm. it's all consonants. Mm-hmm. No one knows how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's lost to history. Because um, it was never supposed to be pronounced. Right. Yeah, that's part of it, too. <laughs> so um, there's lots of fun mystery to explore there. But that I just meant as an interesting sidelight. There's, there's always, there's the first level as you're reading the scripture, but uh, there's second, third, and fourth, and fifth levels that afford interesting things too. Yeah. Maybe something to be studied in a PhD program or something like that. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That sounds interesting. All right. That concludes this episode with Ben Keller. In our next episode, we wade in the difficult topic of race relations and the racial tension in America. Stay tuned and stay focused on faith, resilience, and community 